and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle, and each episode, I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities, and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another exciting episode. Now, let me start off by asking you all a question. We all know that students interested in the sciences should have research in their college applications. But if you are a student thinking about applying as a humanities, arts, or business major, is research important to include in your college applications as well? To help answer this question, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Chris, who is our Director of Academic Mentorships, and we discussed why research is one of the most impactful activities you can have in your resume, regardless of your field of interest, as well as some actionable tips on how to create a standout research project. So if you're a student looking for that extra competitive edge, this episode is for you. I hope you're ready and let's jump right in. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Hello. I'm very well. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat today. I know we have a ton to talk about when it comes to research projects in college applications. But before we start, can you briefly introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. My name is Christopher Brown, and I'm the Director of Academic Mentorships at Ingenious. My own research background is largely in humanities and social sciences, but a huge part of my career has been working with students and professors across all the different subject areas, particularly STEM areas, to try to help students make the most of research opportunities. My own PhD was in Latin American history and I've previously studied for a master's at Oxford in the UK, but I ended up doing a PhD in Latin American history at Emory in the US. Perfect. Thank you. And now to really set the scene here before we talk about the implications and impact of research projects in the college admissions process. Can you tell us why it is so important for high schoolers to have research experience in their college applications? Yeah, so for many students, high school students, it is important to get some research experience, whatever the details of that may be, because it's a way to show that outside high school, they are really pursuing a subject and a set of topics that they really care about and that they are willing to spend time on. Secondly, one of the reasons colleges may be interested in a student's research experience is that many colleges encourage their undergraduates to do research. There are undergraduate research poster exhibitions, conferences, there are even undergraduate research journals as well. By gaining some research experience in high school, a student is showing a college that they may be open to going that extra mile at college as well. So you just mentioned that admissions officers are looking for students that will continue pursuing research in college. So the goal would be for students to clearly demonstrate that right in their college applications. So can you tell us more about what specific qualities and skills admissions officers are looking for in these research projects that would very clearly demonstrate this? Yes, I often think about it as two types of skills. One of those types is intellectual skills. 
And so one of the things a high school student wants to show when they pursue a research project is some level of intellectual maturity. And one of the ways they can do this is by working with an instructor to narrow down their research topic, their research question, in a way that makes it reasonable and realistic for a high school student to pursue. So not trying to solve all of the world's problems in one research project, and also not trying to solve all of the problems in an academic field in one research project. Instead, by narrowing down and clearly defining their research question, a student can show that they have some intellectual awareness and maturity. Secondly, another set of skills that colleges would be looking for would be professional skills. So is the student able to plan a reasonable timeline for their work? Do they have plans in place for how they will deal with obstacles and adversity? And finally, is the student able to show that when they get to the college campus and start doing research there, they are ready to start. They're reasonably professional students knowing when to ask questions, knowing when they need to do independent work. And I think colleges value that a lot. So this combination of intellectual and professional skills are ones that a student can develop during a research project and then demonstrate to colleges later. Perfect. And I feel as though there has to be so much pre-planning as with anything we do with college applications. But when should students start exploring topics and start thinking about research projects? Can you share with us what an ideal timeline would look like? I think it's never too early to start thinking about which subject areas a student might want to do research in. That doesn't mean that they need to as early as grade eight or grade nine, know which research question they want to pursue. But they should be starting to think about what are the problems in the world that they would like to investigate. So for example, if a student is worried about the environment around them, maybe river pollution or loss of habitats in their city or in their local area, they might know already that they have some interest in environmental science, sustainability, urban planning, perhaps. They can then start to identify in more detail what are some potential topics or research problems they might want to engage with. After that, as they head towards grades 10, grade 11, that's when they can really start to develop the skills, access to data and other characteristics they need to actually implement a research project. So what I would say is it's never too early to start the process of identifying possible research questions, but it does take time and a student should only really start their research project when they are sure that this is something they're willing to put a lot of time into. And to build on to that, do you have specific questions that you encourage students to ask themselves to figure out what they're passionate about? I know I tend to get a lot of questions from listeners saying, okay, you're telling me to do this, but where do I start? I feel like a lot of our listeners like to jot down these questions and do these thought activities. So do you have any that you can share with us so our younger listeners can start exploring and start thinking about what topic they might be interested in? Absolutely. There are three questions I would suggest all students should ask every now and again, and certainly when they're thinking about research. 
Number one, I mentioned it earlier, what are the problems in the world that you would like to somehow investigate? That can be very broad problems like climate change or it could be very narrow problems like stray cats in your local area. Second question, what kind of evidence base do you want to work with as a student researcher? Some students would love to do interviews with their classmates. Other students would like to work with huge data sources. Another group of students may be interested in analysing some imagery, for instance, from art history or from architecture. So that's a question for students to ask themselves. What kind of evidence do you want to work with? And then the third set of questions is focused on what kind of methods do you want to learn? So every academic subject has a core set of methods that everyone who wants to become an expert in that subject needs to learn. Computer science has a set of methods. History has a set of methods. A student should try to explore if they were to choose a subject and do a research project in it, what kind of methods would they be using and learning during this process? That's one way for students to identify which subject area they want to conduct research in. Perfect. And I love that you mentioned art history as an example, because when you think research project, it's so easy to automatically think, oh, research projects are more for STEM or science students. But that's not the case, right? I know in our own academic mentorship research programs, we offer a ton of different topics that students can pursue alongside top university professors. So can you elaborate more on that and maybe shed some light on the different areas of study that you've seen our past academic mentorship students be very successful in? Absolutely. So we have students who have researched across all the different fields, humanities, social sciences, arts and STEM fields. Firstly, from the arts and the humanities, we have a wonderful programme called Architecture and the City. And this is a programme in which students can explore how architects design our cities and how they can use tech tools as well to explore their creativity needed, as well as the engineering and architecture skills needed to design urban landscapes. A second example would be business of digital media. So again, this is something that will attract students from a wide range of subject areas. Some students from business, others from social studies, those who are interested in how the internet is changing things, both from a business sense and also in terms of society and culture. So that's another program that's putting things together that wouldn't always be put together in a high school research program. And I always give that advice to students I work with, try to put two things together that most of the public aren't thinking about in the same conversation. By putting two things together, a student can potentially identify a pretty unique research topic and research question. So you just mentioned a program that puts two topics together that wouldn't necessarily be meshed together in a high school setting, which, as you said, would give that student a unique competitive edge. So I'm wondering if we can elaborate on that a bit further. What is your advice for a student looking to create a really standout research project, the type that would give them a competitive edge? Are there certain pointers that you can share with us? Sure. I think the most important thing is for the student's research project to somehow accord with their overall application persona. So there'll be students with Ingenious, for example, would be working with their counsellors on their application persona. And ideally, the research project, when the college admissions officer reads about it, will somehow match that application persona. That doesn't mean that a student should only pursue research in a very narrow field. Actually, if the student has studied something from a slightly different field, they can still demonstrate the skills they need there. But 
there should be some correlation between the two. And I think this is an important point because research does take a lot of time. Even if a student is pursuing a relatively short-term 10 to 12-week research program, they're going to be investing a lot of hours each week into that project. They need to actually care about it and they need to actually want to learn more about the topic. And for our listeners who are realizing that they have this huge gap in their application and that they're missing that really crucial research component, I'd love to talk more about our research program because this is truly the perfect way for students to fix that gap and complete a research project in just eight to 12 weeks. So can you tell us more about our academic mentorship program and what that looks like? Sure. On our academic mentorship program, we give students the opportunity to match with a expert academic mentor who is typically a professor or industry expert in the student's field of interest. So for instance, a student interested in medicine would be matched with a medicine professor. The most important aspect of our academic mentorship program is that our instructors, both the professors and the teaching assistants that all students have to support them during the program, are experts in helping high school students rapidly and thoughtfully identify a realistic research project and paper that they can pursue. Even though most of our academic mentors are spending their days at colleges, universities, teaching undergraduate students, they also have expertise in how to guide younger students, high school students, to choose a challenging but also realistic research project. Our academic mentorship programs cover all of the subject areas that students could be interested in and we have some really interesting combinations of topics to try and inspire high school students into research and the student can either do this individually, one-on-one with the professor, or they can do it as part of a small group. So we have both one-on-one and group academic mentorships. Our one-on-one academic mentorship program is quite flexible because it's tailored to each individual student's needs and schedules. Typically, the program would last between 10 and 12 weeks, maybe a bit longer, and that's because the student would generally meet with their academic mentor weekly. But the student would also be meeting regularly with their teaching assistant. And almost all students choose to write an academic research paper as the final goal of their program. But there are some students who are creative or really ambitious and they might try to, in addition to the academic research paper, also present their research in other ways. We've had students in the last few months presenting their work as websites, as video diaries, presenting their work as academic poster or conference presentations. So there are many different ways particularly with data visualization that students can share their work with a wider readership not only as an academic paper but also in other ways. Our teaching assistants guide students very carefully on the kinds of contests, journals, websites and other platforms where a high school student could potentially publish their work. So we do have students who are able to go through the rigorous publication process and that means that they have the opportunity to receive feedback from a journal during that process and then some of them are able to publish their work in exciting journals. Something I'd love to share is that we take quite seriously the fact that 
every individual student will have different goals, different ability levels and different aspirations for what they want to do with research. So there are many students who are pursuing the gold standard which would be to write a research paper and actually submit that paper to a really competitive high school contest, journal or other conference perhaps. But there are many other students who have slightly different goals and their outcomes can be just as meaningful as that first group of students. Other students may be more interested in developing certain skills that they can then share with their future college applications as something that they've really pursued outside of high school. I think it's really important for each student to think carefully about what kind of research project they want to pursue and what actually are their goals at the end of it. Because these goals should be slightly different for every student. Perfect. Thank you for that wonderful overview of our program. Now, I know that students are working so closely with their university professor mentor during the duration of their research projects. So do you typically see our students leverage these relationships to get letters of recommendations from their professors? I can see how that could give them a competitive edge, right? Getting a letter of recommendation of that caliber. Sure. A student working hard on the program, doing a great job, and really showing curiosity for their subject has the opportunity to ask their academic mentor for a letter of recommendation. And if they're fortunate enough to receive a letter from the professor, then that's something that can really give them a boost in their college applications as well. One thing we encourage our students to do is to really develop a strong relationship with their mentor, because this is something that can give them help not only in the short term, but maybe in a couple of years time they'll go on to new research experiences and they'll remember something they learned from their mentor and maybe they could even update them about it. Perfect and is there anything else about research projects that you'd like to cover before I jump into some rapid fire questions from listeners? I think it's really important for all students who do research to know that there will be challenges during it. It would actually be very strange if a student did a research project and didn't have any bumps in the road. The purpose of research is precisely to try to look again at existing information or look for the first time at new information. So it's very normal that there will be challenges associated with that. For example, we had a student in Africa recently collecting data for their environmental science project. Now this is a process that actually is really difficult and unsurprisingly there were bumps in the road, there were timeline delays, there were authorizations that weren't ready. This is totally normal and it's something that professors experience in their research as well, but it's something all of our students are encouraged to think about before they define their plan. The plan for a research project must include some time and space to cope with challenges in the process. Fantastic and I love that you mentioned challenges because it relates to our first question here from a listener and they asked my research project didn't really go as planned and I'm worried that I spent so much time on the project for it to not be so impactful what is the best way to discuss the setbacks and challenges without it sounding like an excuse or being perceived in a negative light by admissions officers great I think many students over the past few years have written really effective supplemental essays in their college applications in which they've not only shared the skills they learned during research and shared the conclusions of their research, but they've also used an example of a challenge they faced as a time where they had to overcome difficulty. And I think if a student can really reflect on 
the challenges they faced, not just the intellectual challenges, but also the logistical or professional challenges of conducting research. That can give them some inspiring examples to share with the college about how they've grown as a student and as a researcher. A college is not expecting a student to arrive as a totally perfect student researcher. A college may actually be more interested to learn how has this student grown? How has their trajectory gone up in the last couple of years? Perfect. Our next listener question is, are there any red flags or common mistakes that I should avoid and be aware of when highlighting my research experience in college applications? It's really important for a student to present their research accurately when it comes to their college applications. College admissions officers won't be impressed by exaggeration of what their research entailed. And actually, the most effective research projects are those that are narrowly defined, clearly defined, and that aren't trying to do too much in a field. This is particularly the case for high school student research, which of course is early in the academic career and understanding of a student. So it's really important important to define that research question reasonably. Additionally, as we've talked about, there are many different ways that a student can present, share, showcase, or in some cases publish their work. It's really important for a student to know that they can share those updates with a college admissions officer. And the college admissions officer should understand what is a more selective journal, what is a more open access platform. All of these different platforms can be reasonable if a student is sharing their work work effectively there. But it's really important for the student to present that very openly, very accurately in their college application. Fantastic. And next listener question here, is it more impressive to work on a research project by myself? I want to make sure that colleges see my initiative and drive, and I'm wondering if those qualities would be less clear if I were to work on a research project with a team. That's a great question. I think over the last few years, it's become clear that almost all research that's effective these days will be collaborative in some way. And that's not only for the STEM fields, where traditionally, because of the scale of labs, collaboration was essential. I think collaboration is ever more essential in the humanities and social sciences and arts as well. So actually, as a starting point, colleges will be open to seeing what was the nature of the collaboration of the student. They're not expecting a student to do something totally separate from the world independently. It's very rare these days that you can go to an archive on your own as a researcher, and that is the full scope of your research. So actually, I would encourage students to embrace collaboration where they have the opportunity. Finally, if I can add, all of our academic mentorships, including the team-based group academic mentorships, give the students the opportunity to write individual research papers at the end of the program. That's really important. We want our students to get get the benefit of collaboration during the group sessions, but also the opportunity to excel individually. Perfect. And last listener question here, do colleges value who research projects are supervised by? Does it really matter if I'm being mentored by a college professor as compared to my high school science teacher? Interesting question. What are your thoughts, Chris? It's really important that a student chooses to work with an academic mentor who is the right intellectual fit for them and probably the right mental fit for them as well in terms of teaching style. Those two criteria 
are in my view, and based on my experience over the last few years, what's most important for a student when they're thinking about which professor they'd love to work with is number one, what is the professor's intellectual background? What kind of things does the professor write about? What does the professor research? What methods do they use? That is the first step for a student to try to identify the best possible teacher and mentor for them. Secondly, a student should be thinking about what what kind of instructor is this academic mentor professor? Every professor has a slightly different mentoring style. And I think it's important that when a student goes through the process of applying to work with a particular professor, they consider what kind of instructor is going to work best for the student. There are some students who really love directive instructors who are giving them pretty clear instructions, step-by-step -step guides on what to do the next. There are other students who benefit more from more freewheeling style where the professor is really challenging the student to push you independently. And this is a perfect segue because we do have Dr. Mani here, who is an academic mentor from Carnegie Mellon. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to start by introducing your academic mentorship, which is human machine teaming. And under Dr. Mani's guidance, students are able to really get a taste for data analysis and concepts in AI, which is such a hot topic nowadays. And through this program, students will be focusing on their own individual AI-related topics and complete a full research project. So in saying that, Dr. Mani, can you give us a quick introduction and give our listeners a bit of context on what students can expect from participating in this program with you? It's a pleasure to be working with young minds. My specialty is artificial intelligence. And in particular, I have been doing the research uh, mentorship, the practicum where they start on AI explorations, do typically a three, four month project, weekly meetings, and they produce a research write-up at the end showcasing something data-oriented. So they have a hypothesis. They try to work hands-on with data, some Python scripts, Google Colab notebooks. These days, obviously, large language models, chatbot as well. The world is heading towards multi-human, multi-machine teams. So I think this topic, human-machine teaming, is particularly interesting. And I think everybody, even if they're doing political science, arts, they need to be data savvy. And of course, if you're doing engineering, computer science, AI, then you're much more seeped in data. But I think many of the interesting applications are now in the non-technology domains. How do you become data journalism is a thing, right? Even in art, people are using AI and data to do some very interesting things. So I think that combination is fascinating and people should be thinking about and looking at some creative applications, even in non-tech, non-STEM domains. Perfect. And what kind of advice would you give students who are thinking about taking on a research program like this one? Do you have any tips for how students can really succeed? Well, two things, right? One, I usually find if the students come with their project domain or idea, they tend to be passionate about it. I think one of them was modeling, I believe, mental depression. He had a sibling who had gone through an adverse event relating to that. So he was passionate about that domain. So people bringing their project and passion is very helpful because that means they go 50, 60 miles an hour as opposed to 
to 10 or 20 miles an hour. So bringing in their passion, if they've also identified some data sources that's helpful. And then in terms of work habits, at the end of the day, this is an elective. I know kids these days are super busy with things at school, sports, and then sometimes exams like the SATs and so on. So if they already have carved out some time and have decided to pace themselves, that's good. I tend to be less rigid. So again, if they self-impose that structure, I think that's helpful. So I think that those elements, pacing, doing a little background work, bringing a topic and the passion to the table and teaming well with that TA as well as the faculty advisor or uh, markers for uh, success in producing a manuscript that can be either published in a high school journal or sometimes folks have, in my case, IEEE conferences as well. And always it's heartening to see them attain those reach goals. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Mani. And turning it back to you, Chris, to wrap up this interview. And I'm going to ask you the same question. What is your key piece of advice for our listeners when it comes to creating a successful standout research project? Keep a record that you update every week of what do you care about the most? What are you seeing around you? What is in the news? What's going on in your high school? What are the topics, issues, dilemmas, and difficulties that you're seeing that you really care about and would like to learn more about? That can sometimes be the launch pad for going into research, going into future internships, trying to get experience in hospitals, for example. But each person, each high school student has a different thing that they care about. Try to keep a record of that and try and seek opportunities from that. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. And for more information and access to additional resources, you can register for our webinars, which is also linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Admissions Office. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available. That's all for now. And I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.